Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by Fenley Road Sports. My name is Bob. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. We're going to get right into it. Chris, I think the moral of the story is make your free throws. Yes. And long story short, <laughs> yes. Wait, he was, LeBron was 3 for 11 at the free throw line today, right? 3 of 11 at the free throw line. James Harden was 15 of 18 at the free throw line. He missed one intentionally. We'll probably talk about that in a minute. But obviously we are talking about the epic Houston victory over Cleveland 105-103 in overtime in which both stars played 42 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was a very chippy event. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very chippy event, especially in that third quarter. Some technicals, some shoving, yeah, what- fouls that may or may not have been called. James Harden yanked on LeBron for like, 10 seconds and still didn't get a foul call that was one of the funniest yeah that was really bizarre so yeah it was uh it was a pretty sweet game it felt like a playoff game definitely could have been an nba finals preview um but i mean aside from the eight missed free throws james played great he was 37 points eight rebounds four assists three blocks three blocks and three steals so six combined defensive plays like that yeah uh, but the bad is he kind of shot 4 of 12 from 3, 5 of 5, 35 from the field, though in his defense he was getting hacked and brutalized every time he went to the lane. Yeah. Uh, some some calls that probably should have gone his way. But, yeah, man, stepping to the line there, I'll just, yeah, it, 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 it was a downer. And, and the shame is, you know, he hit that big 3 from deep to, to bring him uh, within 1 yeah. on the possession four. Uh, it's hard to hang any loss on one player, yeah. Especially a player who scores thirty-seven points. So, but when you, I'm not going to get too down on when him. you're at the line, the free throw line, and it's one o three, one o four, and you miss them both. It's hard to look anywhere else but to that guy, despite the fact that he's the sole reason for them being in the situation. You got to make your free throws, man. And it's a tale of two two players and really two MVP candidates. James Harden leads the league in getting free throws drawn at nine. LeBron James uh, is right behind him at eight a game. And uh, James Harden is a better free throw shooter, and he knocked down a ton of more today, and they came up on top. Yeah, I'm not going to count the last one he missed. So in my mind, he was 15 of 17 because that 18th, the, the missed one, he missed intentionally with uh, six-tenths of a second left on the clock right. to try to waste the time, which I was yelling at the TV saying he would do um, because it's better to force a catch-and-shoot than to have that little extra time to make a basketball move and get a better shot. So it was a smart play. I agree with what he did. Yeah. Um, and it worked out. They didn't even get a shot off because a catch-and-shoot's real hard. You got the break open. Uh, if you want to see how a catch-and-shoot uh, works, just Google the 2004 Spurs-Lakers Game 5 Derek Fisher shot. Yeah. Uh, that is what a catch-and-shoot really is. It is a luck play. I mean, I'm not saying there's no skill involved, but let's just be realistic. It's not the best shot in the world. And, if, uh, if it gets pulled you know, off, it's. I think it lies more on the defense making... A mistake than you know a good play call because every everybody knows that that's the play call that you have to call in that right. situation so uh yeah it was, it was right. a definitely a, a good heads up play by Harden. i think he admitted that mikhail called it and told him to do that in the post game interview but yeah it was it was a it was a game man it was 
people were expecting this big MVP matchup between Harden and James and, and one would prove victorious. And I think they both made their case very well. James fell a little short with the free throws, but uh, yeah, I think it's a draw really between the two. Uh, what did, did either one make a case for you? No, not really, because I don't think that they're facing each other per se. I think they're both chasing Stephen Curry. I thought LeBron made a bigger case for MVP on Thursday night than he did today. But certainly, I think the fact that he matched Harden's production for the most part came away with an overtime loss, even though he missed two free throws. And that is going to be hung on him because that's what happens when you're in the face of the team. But you figure it's on the road. It's a three-point loss in overtime to one of the best teams, certainly a title contender in Houston. Definitely. Not exactly a, ha- a loss that's going to haunt you big. Um, I-, I think that LeBron needed that Thursday performance more than he did today mm-hmm. because it was against a guy who I think is the clear frontrunner for MVP in Stephen Curry. Um Mainly because he's playing for the best team in basketball at 45 and 11. Yeah. Um, and, and he's having a fantastic year. We can go through his stats uh, about, you know, 23.6 points, 7.9 assists, 4.6 rebounds. Shoots 48% from the field, 40% from three point. That's Stephen Curry, of course. Um, I think he's having a fantastic season, but he's got the best team in the league. LeBron scored 42 points along with 11 rebounds, five assists, three steals. And the big stat here is that the Splash Brothers, Curry and Thompson, combined for 31 points on Thursday. I think that was an emphatic statement yeah. that got him into the MVP race, back into the MVP race, because it was against the guy who I think is leading the charge. He's not facing James Harden um, for the MVP. I mean, he is, but he's more trying to catch Steph and Curry. I think both of them are. Um, and I think if one of them had a runaway train performance, it would have kind of eliminated the other a little bit yeah but they're still chasing Stephen Curry yeah definitely there's I mean there's still a month and a half left of regular season basketball so one can definitely pull ahead uh if one dominated today that would have definitely been a statement I agree with you and it's hard to argue against the best player on the best team argument that seems to always get you uh in the MVP conversation usually you become the front runner but I, I don't know. The, the the Golden State Warriors are so good and so deep and talented, and Steph Curry isn't really doing anything more than he did in the last few years. His two-point shots are up by about 40%, and that's really impressive because now teams are driving him off the three-point line, and he's able to still make them pay. And I think his defense is a little bit better. But the success of the Golden State Warriors this year, I would argue, is more predicated on the fact that Klay Thompson has made an ascension to becoming a star rather than just a role player and a 3 and D guy. Now he is an all-star. And I think that has more to do with Golden State being the number one team than Steph Curry being a head and shoulders better player than LeBron or James Harden, who are doing arguably less with more especially James Harden Dwight Howard has been out for a while now and he's still carrying the team in a successful way LeBron has had some adjustments to make and it's a he you know the Cavs drafted number one overall last year you add LeBron James and all all of a sudden they're gonna probably finish second in the Eastern Conference so it's hard to argue against that argument but yeah, best player on the best team, I think, always wins out. Steph Curry's definitely favorite. 
um what what do you well the thing is uh you know i i kind of agree with your points but I think we both understand that that's not how the MVP works. Because in 2006, I thought LeBron James should have won the MVP over Steve Nash. Yeah. But the reason Steve Nash won is because he had a great season, and he led the Suns to the two-seed in the West without Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, okay? for sure. LeBron James, uh, you know, I think they've only finished fourth in the East that year. He had a great year. But he didn't win his MVP until 2009 when they made a bunch of trades to get better players around him and they won 66 games. And at the end of the day, if you're not on one of those two best teams in your conference, you're probably not going to win the MVP. Because I'm about to drop a stat bomb on you, Bob. Okay, hit me up. Here it goes. Since 1985, so the last 30 MVPs, no team seated lower than third has produced an NV- NBA MVP. The last quote-unquote three seed to produce an MVP was 1999, and that was Carl Malone. But that doesn't count because the Jazz were in a three-way tie for the NBA's best record. The <laughs> only true three seed to produce an NBA MVP in the last 30 years was 1988 Michael Jordan on the Chicago Bulls. Which means Anthony Davis, who I think should win the MVP because he's having the best season out of anyone in the league, will not win the MVP. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, who is getting a lot of hype, has no chance if the Thunder don't finish in the top two. Then they're not. See, so, well, I don't, I don't know, man. I the the Western Conference, I, I can't argue against history. So I, you're you're probably gonna be right, but look at at what is happening with Oklahoma city thunder. They were out of, out of a playoff seed just a few months ago. Both those guys come back. They go on a tear in February. They are, uh, they've lost three games in February. They're 10 and three in February. They, they are just storming through the Western conference right now. And if they make such a drastic change from looking into the playoffs to being, you know, the, the, the third seed all the way down to the eighth seed in the Western conference is so tight. They could theoretically increase their status all the way up to maybe, maybe even the fourth seed. And I think that visual change for the team, including a phenomenal month by Russell, Russell Westbrook, 31 points, nine rebounds and 10 assists per game. Uh, Eight of those games coming without Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. three straight triple doubles without Kevin Durant. If he continues that pace and Oklahoma City continu- continues to tear through the West and rise, I think that that would be enough to make history. And he might be MVP by the end of the year. And obviously it's hard to maintain a triple-double average with a point guard. And then when you add in Kevin Durant later, he's going to eat into some of those stats. But I, I, I don't know. He is has announced himself this week for sure. He's in the MVP talk now. I don't know if there's enough time for him to make an improvement to justify it to all the voters, but he, he's coming, and, and he's taking names for sure. Okay, well, I think if the Thunder make a kind of um, drastic improvement and finish top three in the West, certainly. But if they're not in the top three, I don't see them awarding it to him because... 
And, and, and you're right, he's, he's played phenomenal. And even before, I mean, he has a PER of 29.43, which is the second highest in the NBA behind only Anthony Davis, right. who, by the way, has a PER of 31.24. Which is on the historical track right, right now. It, it's it, it, He's the only player with 30-plus. He's leading the league in blocks. I, Anthony Davis is my MVP. If I'm voting for the MVP without regard to team, Anthony Davis is having the best season. He's, the, he's been the best player in the NBA for 2014-2015. I totally agree with you, but, yeah, they're not making the playoffs, so you you can't right. even consider. And, or even if he limps in as the eighth seed, he's not gonna, they're not going to give it to him. And I understand with Russell Westbrook, the Thunder are in a bit of an extreme situation, but if you look at it the other way, he also missed 14 games. Would you Can you justify awarding someone an MVP who missed so much time? And, and I think that's going to be an argument against LeBron James, too. He missed 10 games, even though the Cavs are only 2-8 and eight with him not playing. Yeah. You know, when you have James Harden, who hasn't missed a game, when you have Stephen Curry, who hasn't missed a game, or at least I don't think, I don't know about Stephen Curry. I didn't research that one. I, I checked on Harden. He, didn't miss, he hasn't missed a game. I think Curry maybe missed one or two. Yeah, I think he rested but, his foot a couple times. Right. But the point I'm making here is, you know, I think that should play into it a little bit too. And I understand what you're saying, that you could see the difference with Westbrook, with Westbrook and not. But if you're going to make the argument for Russell Westbrook doing so well without Kevin Durant, well, James Harden's done great without Dwight Howard, who has only played in 32 of 59 games. And Stephen Curry is still having a phenomenal season on the best team in all of basketball. I really think that Curry and Harden are the clear front runners, with LeBron James as a slightly distant third, even with his performance this week. And yeah. I think James would need to get his team to at least second in the East in order to win it over Stephen Curry. I, I, look, do you think I there's? You, I think. Do you think there's LeBron fatigue? People are just tired of of him. Because I mean, I don't think he needed like the way he's been playing. Why did he need Thursday night to announce himself in the race? He should already be up there in the conversation. Right. If you look at LeBron James's numbers only this season and compare it to the league, he's having a phenomenal season. But the problem is when you win MVPs, you get compared to your last MVP. And he's won four of them. Yeah. And based on the way LeBron James has played in the past, he is having a relatively speaking down year which <laughs> is absurd yeah. to even suggest that but it is true he is down based on his prior mvp seasons and that is going to you're not there, there's an old saying that once you win an mvp you're not just facing the field anymore you're facing yourself because expectations of you become even greater and i think lebron james is going to have that problem for the rest of his career. Yeah, I think so. I, especially, and, I think this year, people are just, with with the letter, with him coming back to Cleveland, I think people are, if you're not a Heat or a Cavs fan, you're just tired of him. Yeah. Well, well if you're a Heat fan, you're tired of him now because uh, he left you. Right. Don't worry, Miami. We felt that way a few years ago. It's all good. <laughs> and we, you we had to get empathize. that in there. <laughs> we can empathize. So, okay. an- another MVP angle I want to ask you about was James Harden is kind of viewed as the vanguard of Daryl Morey's analytics revolution in the league. Do you see the Steph Curry, James Harden MVP race as uh, a philosophical 
argument between old school basketball scouting and the use of advanced metrics. You just used player efficiency rating, which is one of the more common advanced metrics. Uh, do you think there's a battle going on that voters are going to decide what the future is with I, the MVP race? A la... I, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I don't read into that that much because I think that with or without advanced statistics, I think these are the two guys who would be leading the charge because... Yeah. I think they're the most explosive superstar players on two contenders. It's unfortunate Memphis doesn't have a guy of their superstar caliber because Marc Gasol is. Well, Marc Gasol's just excellent. boring. He's he's too exactly. boring, but and he definitely he, he's like he's like the new version of Tim Duncan. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not comparing him to Tim Duncan. I'm comparing him to Tim Duncan as a star. Um, and and you know it's unfortunate because I think that they you know are having a great season and they're no one is talking about them, but there you know I think naturally these two guys would have been the front runners and I like player efficiency rating because it kind of gives you a chance to compare guys who don't play the same position yeah. to one another because it's hard to compare a center statistically to a guard who's probably going to score more points but the center is probably going to get more rebounds and blocks so it kind of puts it all in context even though anthony davis is averaging 23.9 points right um <laughs> but i don't know i don't i think that philosophical battle is about 15 years old and it started in baseball with Moneyball, and now that it's kind of broken into the mainstream um i don't see it as much of a battle between the stats guys and the old stool guys because they're so intertwined in sports right now yeah but i mean you hear you you hear guys just call out daryl morey charles barkley on national television uh was pretty upset and a couple other coaches i think was it phil jackson said something bad about him as well i'm not sure about that but i think yeah you you mentioned baseball baseball already went through it but we're in the middle of a basketball revolution where those same scouts that were shown the door in baseball are now they're fighting for their jobs kind of and they're not it's it's something new and something different and i think voters guys that are old school basketball guys might look at james harden and not vote for him just on the sole reason that he's from the houston rockets who have kind of led the charge in this revolution i don't know it'll be interesting to plan out but i definitely agree with you like james harden steph curry lebron james they hold up under any test you're going to put them under. They're amazing right. players, but I, I I don't know. I think I think this MVP race is is transcending more than just the stats and the numbers. Or sorry, more than just the 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 value the most valuable player race. It, it's it, it's philosophical. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that so much will play out in the vote. I I, I don't know. I. I I honestly don't know how the voters are going to think about that. I, I don't think that they're going to think about that too much. I think they're going to look at who the MVP is and, and kind of vote on the statistics they have. And they are going to use statistics. And I think most of them, even the guys who are against advanced statistics, might stumble into an advanced statistic to try and uh, decipher the race um, without considering it an advanced statistic. I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I think PER has become so common that I don't think people consider it advanced anymore. That's true, yeah. I, I, I don't think people know the line between the two, but right. I don't know. So. It'll be interesting. This is the first year where there isn't a full, clear front runner. Obviously, Steph Curry, everyone agrees on him, but 
there are, there's a strong argument for three or four guys behind him. It, it's going to be tight. No, it's definitely tighter than it has been in years past. Like last year, Kevin Durant had it pretty much locked up around now. Yeah. I don't think Stephen Curry has it locked up, but I think that he is the clear front runner. Um, and I think everyone is chasing him. But you're right. I don't think it's by a wide margin. I certainly think if he stumbles or the Warriors stumble, which they could, I mean, the Rockets or the Grizzlies could catch them. And if he loses that best record in the NBA, uh, it could be a much more even playing field. So you're, you're right. I mean, I, I think there is room for these guys to catch him. But I think as of right now, if the season ended today, Curry would win the MVP. All right. I'm hoping for Westbrook, but, man. He's just, he's had the most electric stretch of basketball. I, I hope he gets it. I'm hoping for Anthony Davis because this guy is getting absolutely no love for having what is an unbelievable season. Yeah, he deserves I love, mean, but I you got to at least make the playoffs, man. Over half the team leagues leave, leave, make the playoffs. Like, well, I guess that's true. He still could though. Pelicans aren't out of it yet. Yeah, and he, he's nursing a shoulder too. He's going to be out right, for another that's week. That's true. That's true. All right, let's move to a. No, but one guy who is not going to win MVP, unfortunately, and we're not trying to make light of this. That's a but, better segue um, than I was going to do, so go ahead. <laughs> a former MVP uh, in Derrick Rose, and if you're a sports fan, I'm sure you've heard the very unfortunate news that he once again tore his MCL. They're saying he could be back in six weeks. I am skeptical of those reports Me because too. they're coming from the team, and I think the team's... Sports teams in general like to sell hope as long as possible, so we'll see, especially in light of him having a similar, if not the same, injury and taking a year to come back. I am very skeptical of Derrick Rose's prognosis for the playoffs, but I'm not a doctor, and I did not stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night, so (laughs) I cannot talk about that. (laughs) More bad news for the Bulls is that Jimmy Butler got hurt against the Clippers and is scheduled for an MRI this week. So the Bulls are entering their mid-season everyone gets hurt phase, which yeah. unfortunately happens to them almost every yeah. year. Taj Gibson has a bum ankle as well. Right. So they were viewed by many, but not by me, as the number two contender in the East. Um, and this is in the preseason to Cleveland. Now a couple of other teams have emerged. But I still think, I think you and I can agree, putting our Cleveland fandom aside, that Cleveland is the team to beat in the East. But the big question is, who is their biggest threat? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, Cleveland. I can be as objective as I can be about it. They seem to be the favorite with the star power and now the success that they're having. They're, they deserve to be the favorite right now. Um, and then just going back to the Rose injury, it's weird that they say he's going to be back just in six weeks when considering... Right. The first ACL tear that he had in the other knee, he was cleared for basketball yeah. activity in March, and he didn't play that season. And the Bulls right. went yeah. into the second round of the playoffs, so they were playing all the way into late May, and or probably early May. Yeah, it's. But I don't why? The report. Yeah, why rest him then? But then go all in. I think it bears signs to both Rose and the Bulls, viewing this as their last chance. This. Rose is going to have another injury down the line. Thibodeau is out the door apparently for running the players into the dirt. Uh, Jimmy Butler is going to hit free agency. I think this is the last last chance for the this Bulls team as we know it to make an impact in the playoffs, and, and they want Rose as a part of that. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, 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 like I said, I'm skeptical of the reports because they're coming from Chicago, and I think teams sell hope every time, all the time, whenever mm. they can. And they're trying to keep their fans involved. They're trying to keep everything, you know, as much hype around the team as possible. I just don't see how you can come back for an injury like this in six weeks, especially if he had the um, repair surgery. I mean, yeah, I, I, they didn't say which one because you can get it cut. Or you can get it repaired. And if you get it cut, it sort of a long, it, it shortens your career, but you can recover faster. I, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you guys what I read. Um, but it, they didn't. I don't think they've uh, specifically said which one that he got. And I think that he was leaning towards getting it repaired, so he wouldn't have longer-term damage. Um, I see. But again, like I said, it's all kind of speculation at this point. I'm not buying into what they're selling yeah um, I'll, I'll believe that derrick rose comes back when i see it okay okay so my, my team my team uh we talked about this a couple of weeks ago but I'm, I'm sticking with the atlanta hawks they're sitting pretty at the first seed realistically i don't think any other team in the eastern conference is going to catch them they have i think a nine game lead as of today they rested jeff teague and al horford and still beat the miami heat by about eight points that was kind of impressive to me uh they're they're a team they're the classic they're the exact opposite of what the Cavs are which is a big three model and you have the Atlanta Hawks which is more of a team model um yeah the east is just is wide open right now the Bulls the Wizards are are hurting and 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 they got Beal back but they're in a free fall uh, Chris Bosch with his illness, the Heat are going to make the playoffs, but they're pretty much a lame duck at this point. And you, you have a whole bunch of guys fighting for that eighth seed. So I, I think it just opens up the door for the Hawks to naturally just be there in the end and to, to have a showdown with Cleveland at some point. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still on them. They had four all-stars, which I know isn't a, an empirical stat, but they're, they're really good. They, they know exactly what they need to do and, and how to do it. They have a good bench. They, they're they set for a playoff run. Yeah, if you have four, four All-Stars, even if your coach is coaching the All-Star game, you're doing something, right? right. Because at the end of the day, your coach isn't going to just pick a guy on his team just to get him in the All-Star game. I mean, I think everyone would agree that those four guys were worthy of the honor, even if we may have disagreed on the fourth one or whatever. Yeah. You're doing something right. And... And, you know, I'm not feeling very good about my bold prediction I made uh, multiple times about the Hawks losing before the conference finals because I think the Eastern Conference in general is letting me down with this one. It's real (laughs) hard to see a team that's going to knock them out in the first two rounds. However, I know Washington is 3-7 in their last 10, and they have not played uh, up to their potential, to say the least. But I'm not getting off the bandwagon. I had them losing to Cleveland in the conference finals preseason, I'm not giving up on them just yet. They have not been 100% in a while. Beal's been hurt. Pierce has been hurt a little bit. <clears throat> but I still like that that combination of uh, Wall, Beal, Pierce, Gortat, and Nene. I think they have a lineup that could take them far in the playoffs. And I think that they have the ability to match up real well with Atlanta. Um, if they get into the 4-5 game, if they can avoid Cleveland in the first two rounds and draw Atlanta and draw banged up Chicago or Milwaukee I think they could go to the conference finals if of course they get healthy themselves they got to right the ship here I mean I'm not I'm not saying they don't have problems it's March 1st it's it's not the time to be having these kind of problems but there's still a month and a half left in the season for them to get things right I think they have 
a ton of talent. They showed last year that they can win playoff series and win a lot of road games on the playoff series. Um, I think that they are still a big threat in the Eastern Conference, and I'm not ready to write them <laughs> off just yet, though I will say uh, I am not feeling uh, very confident about anyone in the East. Yeah. Um, other than, I mean, you got to give Atlanta respect for being 47-12 and 12 and just, you know, playing great basketball all the way through. And you got to give Cleveland the respect for recognizing they had flaws and addressing them brilliantly. But I, I, I am kind of agreeing with you that those two teams are, are, are kind of a uh, cut above the rest just given all the attrition that's occurred. Yeah. However, you are Toronto is like the Memphis Grizzlies of the Eastern Conference. That's true. And I have to say, I you're mean, you're anything but stubborn with that with that Wizards pick, and that's hey that, man, yeah, that's, that's jump, my brother right I'm there. Jump, I'm not jumping off the cliff <laughs> until I reach the edge. Okay, yeah. we we haven't even gotten to the cliff yet. All right, <laughs> plenty of time left. They could get healthy. No one in the East is overwhelming, other than to me, other than Cleveland. I think as long as if Washington's healthy and they avoid Cleveland, I think they'll be fine. We'll see. I, I don't like yeah. the spacing issues that the power forward and center provide and John Wall, who lacks a good jump shot. It, it's not a good setup, and I don't think Whitman, their coach, is uh, is offensive-minded enough to, to fix it. And I think that's going to be their ultimate doom when the paint condenses even more in the playoffs. Uh, I, don't, I don't see them... Yeah. They got issues to figure out in this last month and a half, and they better be healthy and and figure it out right, if they want to make that push. I'm agreeing 100%. They've got issues. I mean, I'm not I'm not shying away from that one, but uh, I, I I'm still I'd still be pretty scared of them if they can get it together come playoff time. Um, but a couple of my predictions aren't looking too well. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough to knock out Atlanta, and it's going to be tough for Washington to to get it together I, I am losing faith in them though yeah. i am losing faith but quick question though mm-hmm. who has the highest per on toronto see i want to say it's kyle lowry but i know this dude is on the team so is it tyler hansborough no it is oh, okay <laughs> come on <man. laughs> I, I don't i thought this was going to be like a goofy question um no, it's kyle, not really a goofy kyle, question. Terrence Ross. No. Uh, Jonas Valachunas. Oh, yeah, that guy. The center that no one is talking about. A 20.32 PER. Only 38 players have a PER of 20 or more. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 1.1 blocks. This this guy has turned into a pretty legit player. Yeah. And no one is giving him credit. Another guy who's not getting talked about is Lewis Williams, who has not started a game, but is still averaging 15.2 points per game with a 19.8 PER, again, higher than Kyle Lowry's. Yeah, he was the steal guys, of the offseason, the trade to to get him from Atlanta. for. I, yeah. I think they just like bought him. He yeah. was a good move. I mean, he is just, he has been great. He's probably going to win six man of the year. Could win, I, I you know. But... Kyle Lowry's been a stellar, and everyone talks about him. He is definitely a star, but he's got two guys who have been playing real well. They have a real solid team, even though they're, you know, as of right now, have lost five straight and are four and six in their last ten, and they're holding on to that two seed by one game. Uh, Chicago and Cleveland both within a game of them, but we think Chicago probably won't be much of a factor. 
Uh, I think that Chicago, I think a Cleveland Toronto second round series would be very a lot more interesting than people think. Yep. If it's those two and the two three. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, and it's funny that Toronto and Memphis are getting no love because they both used to be in Canada. No, that's Memphis true. That's used very to be true. Vancouver. So, uh, you know, both of them holding on to two spots in their respective conferences and getting absolutely no love from anyone. But uh, I think that they they they're not getting talked about much. Yeah, uh, it, Demar Derozan was an All Star last year. He hasn't been healthy this year. If they can get him back and Kyle Lowry's kind of had a rough rough month without him uh if they can get that backcourt set i think they could definitely make a make a strong push i don't know why i'm not sold on them but i i just am not and it's It's because they're toronto and other than kyle lowry it's hard to name a ton of players on their team like you know valanciunas yeah no one recognizes him but based on per he's their best player i mean yeah he's had a great season but he just doesn't show up in the way a traditional player will like like james Harden just jumps off at you or yeah. stephen curry so and it's kind of like you know i'm not com- you know comparing him to marcus all but i mean they play the same position so yeah you know they're just not flashy and i think that's why they're not getting any any love but hey we'll see i, I still think it's cleveland's conference to lose as a cleveland fan I think I would be extremely disappointed that if they're healthy, they don't win the East. I mean, obviously, if LeBron James goes down. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's the everybody is agreeing on that. Especially the last mm-hmm. month and a half, the basketball they've played, they've they they're the team that everybody thought we were going to see. Just like four years ago, the Miami Heat, they went on a tear late in the season, and look what happened with that. Um, yeah, Toronto, I'm giving some love to you now. You guys are good. I'm proud of you, but I still don't think you're going to win. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so either, but, I, you know, I think they're going to be a very tough out, especially if, say, they slide into that 4-5 game and draw Atlanta in the second round. Yeah. That could be interesting. Honestly, I would, you know, it, it's a weird conference playoffs matchup because – Right. Do you really want to draw the Miami Heat, especially if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers? Do you want that matchup in your first round? That's the one that makes me yeah. sweat the most. I would rather yeah, than play no. Milwaukee or the four, or the fifth seed because I, I just don't want that that energy potentially. Well, if Miami had Bosch, I'd be scared of him, honestly. Oh, yeah, There's absolutely. Nobody, nobody outside of the top five in the East that really scares me. Yeah, I I just I it's it would be so Cleveland for them I to mean, draw Miami and for Miami to have an amazing playoff run and beat Cleveland. It, I just don't want that. I absolutely don't want that. It would be, but I, I I'm not too scared about it. But speaking of Miami, they are in quite a fight just to make the playoffs. Yeah. and I'm looking at the standings right now. They're in the seventh seed. Um, if we go, there are three teams who are not in the playoffs, Indiana, Charlotte, and Boston, who are just a game behind the Miami Heat. Brooklyn is currently sandwiched in between them in the eighth seed. And then there's Detroit, who is, uh, you know, just behind them, uh, about two and a half games out of that seven seed. Again, two games out of the eight. Yeah. Uh, six teams right there, all fighting for two spots. Uh, if you had to pick two, which two do you think get in? I think the Heat will be there. I think they're going to maintain that seventh seed despite the Bosch injury. Yeah, it, 
there's too much talent and too much experience on there. And they showed at the dread deadline that they are absolutely desperate to make the playoffs. Like that's their goal. I think a lot of these teams are, are still caught in the middle. Like, do we go for it or do we not go for it? I'm looking uh, at Paul George and now. his comeback. If he comes back and is anything like Paul George, I'm going with the Pacers. Yeah, and, and that's the interesting one because um, I, I'm i not sure why they'd want to rush him back, but at this point I think it's a little too late, late to tank. So why not go for it? Yeah. And yeah, they didn't they didn't blow up the team back, at the deadline, so obviously they they like where they're at. So right. why not go for it? And if he if he comes back and like you said plays well, and he's sitting at that eight spot, I mean it's far too late for Atlanta to get out of the one. They're ten games up on it. Even if they try yeah. to lose it, they're going to be the one seed. Boy, last year the Indiana Atlanta series was very chippy in that first round. Atlanta almost knocked off Indiana. Mm-hmm. I believe it was a seven-game series, and Atlanta obviously was the eight. If you're Atlanta, you got to be like, uh, I don't think I want to play this team in the first round. <laughs> no, mean, definitely not. It... Given their history. So, yeah, you're right. It, it is a really odd year. You look at both conferences and the potential matchups that San Antonio could be an 8-1 game with Golden State. By name, that's that's a tough one. Absolutely. Oklahoma City is a team uh, nobody wants to play in the first round. Yeah. Um, even Houston. I mean, if Houston gets into that four or five, I think Houston Golden State could be a conference final. And mm-hmm. no one's talking about Memphis, who is just lurking. There are a lot of teams out west that that are. Just, it's just brutality. Yeah. So, but if I had to pick two, I'm going to stay on my Detroit Pistons bandwagon. Stubborn as usual. <laughs> I know this shouldn't surprise you, but I picked them to make the playoffs in the preseason. They're still in the thing, and. Uh, I like the trade they made, um, and so I, I think you know for Reg Jackson, and so I think that uh, I think they'll be there. Even though again, I'm picking all these teams that are on losing streaks right now. It's not cool. Yeah, Detroit's lost three in their four and six in their last ten. Great. Yeah, I'm picking everyone who's on a losing streak. This is not going <laughs> well. For me. Yeah, I think I I really so. think it is going to come down to either Detroit or Indiana for that eighth seed because I think the other teams right. are just going to pack it up and be like, okay, let's. Right. We got young talent. Let's let's get a higher draft pick, and then we're gonna see the awful basketball that is that right. comes in April for the for the tanking Tank. teams. It, it's disgusting. Tank fest 2015. It'll be like that high school girls game where neither team wanted to play the top team in their district. Right. It was on ESPN, and they both that was just brutal. I don't think the NBA is gonna go that that because they were like just. It, it was. They were just trying to like intentionally miss shots. I think they were passing it to the other team and stuff. Like it was. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and they both. And, and funny side, just to wrap that up, they both got banned from the playoffs because it was so obvious. So we're not just picking on girls basketball here. This was a legitimate story. Yeah. But um, I agree with you. I think Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Boston. I don't think that they're gonna be there. Uh, I, I think Boston is just like, why are we winning? I mean, we, we don't yeah. want to do this. Uh, I think their plan was to tank from yeah. from day one. So let, let me ask. I, I agree. Let me ask you something. Second. Going back to like the Derrick Rose injury, and even the Chris Bosh injury, you know the Bulls had. There were a lot of rumors that they were going to trade Taj Gibson or one of their other bigs before the deadline, and and they stayed pat. Uh, now. Aaron Brooks is your starting point guard and you're still going to make the playoffs. Do you, do you think that both the heat and the bulls kind of regret 
staying put and pulling the trigger on Goran Dragic, because they got the the bad news right after the deadline. You you have to imagine that they would have taken part of the action. Well, first off, I don't think the Heat regret it because I think Dragic is a long-term move. I think he wants to be in Miami. I think they'll be able to resign him. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to blame the Heat when this Chris Bosh thing came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, they had no chance at ever seeing that coming. But if you flip it to Chicago, this team has kind of been a, a fake team for a while now. A team that had the illusion of a contender, but never really materialized. Even when Derrick Rose was 100% in 2011, when they were at their best with him and his MVP, they got destroyed by the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. This was the first year of the Miami Heat, mind you. This wasn't when they were super dominant yet. They beat them 4-1, to one, lost game one, and then won four straight. So I've said it all along, every year since then, that the Chicago Bulls are a fake team, that they are just not what everyone thinks they are. And they always get hurt. And they haven't been healthy since 2012. I don't know why it's taking them this long to realize that, you know, this thing isn't working. Yeah. Now, I understand you have a lot of good pieces in Noah, in Butler, and you went out and got Gasol, and you're trying to contend. But at the same time, I mean, when you're a superstar, your guy in the max contract is not going to be a superstar ever again. Yeah. I just think Chicago is in a position where the train has hit the wall and they're going to have to go into this offseason looking to make some very hard choices. I mean, I, I just don't see this core ever getting to the promised land. Yeah. Because I don't think the East is going to get any weaker. Because even if Washington doesn't do it this year, they have a strong core. I think Milwaukee has a nice core. Atlanta could finally be starting to get it together. Toronto, this is their second year in a row now, and they were able to re-sign Kyle Lowry. He didn't walk last year. I thought he was going somewhere else. He came back. Yeah. So, and then Miami, when Chris Bosh comes back, is going to have Dragic. If they, uh, I think that I'm pretty sure they'll be able to re-sign him. So, I mean, the East is going to get stronger. It looks like, and then Indiana, Paul George. Yeah. I mean. If I'm Chicago, I just don't see this core ever winning, winning what it thinks it can. Yeah, I just, I'm just, I just make some drastic moves. I'm just thinking of what could have been if if both those pieces of news were made just a week earlier. What what the trade deadline would have like looked like then? It was already crazy, but all the point guards that right. that got moved around. I, I wonder if Chicago would have gotten in on the action. I wonder if Miami would have made a play for Gibson. It, I don't know. I, I kind of wish that I, I don't like seeing teams limping into the playoffs and then having low quality teams yeah, in yeah. the playoffs. So I wish that I wish they were able to do rather, to do something. And would you rather see Boston and Charlotte instead of Miami and Chicago? I think Miami and Chicago are better than both of those teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ab- oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they mean, still are. But even a banged up Chicago is better than a lot of the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs out of the East this year. That's the thing. Yeah, so. that's for sure. So, and no, but I agree with you 100%. It, it, it stinks. I'm not trying to make light of any injuries. I want Bosch and Rose 100% because I want to see great basketball. And it's unfortunate that we're going to lose two potential strong teams in the East uh, to injury. Yeah. And, you know, even Washington. I mean, if, if, you know, if they don't get it together and, and they've been dogged by injuries, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a shame. that, that and, and no one's talking about Jabari Parker, too. I mean, you know, a guy That's who true. could have 
rival. That that rookie of the year race would have been epic if he were healthy. And so, you know, there there's been a lot of just attrition in the East, and and it really stinks. Um, Do you think so. Rose will ever be back to this level of play this season, even? I not this season. No, I don't think he'll ever recapture his MVP form, which is the the true sad part. Yeah. Um, I think there's too many injuries. Yep. I think even if he comes back this season, I, I, I can't see him being that effective because I don't think he was super effective this season. No, he wasn't. And, and I just can't see him being that effective. And it's, and it's, it's a shame, you know, it yeah. really is a shame, but it's the reality of the situation. He's going to go the so, way of Brandon Roy, I think. Yeah. That's another guy who, I, we could play what if forever with the Greg Oden, Kevin Durant thing. Yeah. But can you imagine Kevin Durant and LaMarcus Aldridge on the same team? No, I can't. Well, I could go fire up my Xbox right now and make that happen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, well, uh, we're, we're running. We're, we're kind of coming to the end here, so we're going to do a little quick hit. Uh, NFL free agency is right around the corner. A lot of unknown variables as to who's going to get franchise tagged, who will get cut or whatnot. But we're pretty certain that Des Bryant, Justin Houston, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin McCourty, and Demarius Thomas are likely to get franchise tagged. Yep. So we're going to stay away from them in this question. But who, if you could sign one player in free agency, or who you think is going to be a free agent, because obviously there's still stuff to happen, who would you sign? Well, I, I, you named five really good players, but there's one guy who's better than all of them, and that's Indomitian Sue. The only reason he's not getting franchise tagged is because his tag is, what, $26 million next year for a defensive 26, tackle? $26.7 million yeah, next year. No, so nobody's going to do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's just he is the best defensive tackle in the game. His numbers don't really show it. I think he only had five sacks last year, but he's a, he's a DT. Uh, the, the basic numbers don't show his value. He's, he's the run stuffer. If you had a team that didn't do well in the run last year, add Sue, and that's seventy-five percent of your problem right there. It, Cleveland. He he eats up he eats up the middle and he frees up the linebackers to to do their thing. Uh, he's he's a once once in a generation talent that that you need, yeah. and he's gonna get paid like he's one. Oh, he's certainly going to get paid if he hits the market. Um, the only caveat is, obviously, with free agency pending, these some of these guys may sign long-term deals before uh, free agency starts. So uh, Detroit could sign him to that. But if he's on the market, I agree with you, he's going to get paid big time, regardless of his, uh, you know, he's been fined a lot. He's had some borderline plays and not-so-borderline plays, some that were flat-out dirty. But uh, yeah. There's no question. Uh, he he is a game changer on defense. Yeah, he's worth the reputation. Um, yes, my pick would be Julius Thomas because I think in a pass catching league, the tight end has become uh, exceptionally valuable. Yep. Um, I think that you know he he can be a game changer in the passing game uh, in in sort of the ways that Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham are for the Saints and the New England Patriots. I certainly think he. I, it, all all indication says that Denver uh, is not going to be able to re-sign him because they have other guys that they're going to tend to. Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to hit the market, and he's certainly going to get paid. And I, and I think he'll be worth it because he's not. I mean, he's a pretty young guy, 
and uh, he's an athletic freak who is a, certainly a game changer in the passing game. Yeah, I like Julius Thomas. I wish there was a larger sample size. Uh, he kind of wore down last year, and that might be two parts Peyton Manning, one part him injured. But, right. yeah, I you mean, can't pass it year, up. You can't pass up that talent. Yeah, two years ago he had 65 catches for 12 touchdowns and 788 yards, and then last year he had uh, 43 catches for 489 yards and, uh, again, 12 touchdowns. So he still had the uh, – the touchdown production stayed. Uh, this only his third year. He's 26 years old, 6'5", 250 pounds. He's a pretty beastly guy when he plays. Uh, obviously, there's been some injury concerns, but um, I would take a chance on this guy because I think he could definitely change your uh, he could change your entire passing attack, and he's a great red zone target. Definitely.